Today, President Trump welcomed the heroic crew and passengers of Southwest Flight 1380 to the White House. While en route from New York to Dallas last month, an engine failure crippled the aircraft. Because of Captain Tammy Jo Schultz, one of the first women ever to fly tactical fighter aircraft in the United States Navy, First Officer Darren Ellisor and the three crew members, the plane was able to land safely in Philadelphia. We continue to pray for the family of Jennifer Reardon, who tragically passed away due to injuries she sustained. The President thanks all of these men and women for their bravery. Lastly, we strongly condemn yesterday's suicide bombing in Kabul. More than 35 people were killed, including at least 10 journalists. These journalists were in the area to cover a bomb blast when a second explosion occurred. Afghanistan's press corps is a powerful illustration of how that country has transformed. There's absolutely no justification for such a senseless and heinous act. And with that, I'll take your questions. John. Sarah, the President has had a suggested list of questions from the Office of Special Counsel since somewhere near the beginning of March. We know that the Special Counsel wants to look into some 50 different areas of inquiry. Has the President had a chance to review those questions, digest them, and what does he think of the line of questions? Uh, as with all questions of this nature, I would refer you to the President's uh, outside personal attorneys, Jay Seculo and Rudy Giuliani. Hey, Sarah. Sure. Can you tell us what the President's level of confidence is in Chief of Staff Kelly, and is he under serious consideration to be the next nominee for the Veterans Affairs Administration? Uh, no, he is not being considered as the VA Secretary. Uh, both the President and the Chief of Staff are very happy with his position that he currently holds, which is Chief of Staff to the President at the White House. Uh, and I would refer you back to General Kelly's statement that he put out yesterday, uh, specific to the comments, the uh, allegations about comments that he'd made. I spend more time with the President than anyone else, and we have an incredibly candid and strong relationship. He always knows where I stand, and he and I both know this story is total BS. I'm committed to the President, his agenda, and our country. This is another pathetic attempt to smear people close to President Trump and distract from the administration's many successes. Thank you about Iran, Sarah. You described it, or the NSC last night described it as a clerical error, but it was a significant editing error that has policy implications. Can you state from the podium what this White House believes is the current state of Iran's pursuit of a nuclear weapon and if it's in full compliance with a joint comprehensive plan of action as the IAEA has said it is. We think the biggest mistake that was made was under the Obama administration by ever entering the deal in the first place. The typo that you referenced was noticed, immediately corrected, um, and we are focused on moving forward on the safety and security of our country. But you, assume, you assert what that says, that there is no current program in Iran and that it is in compliance with the deal, at least as it's negotiated. Correct? Well, the problem is that the deal was made on a completely false pretense. Uh, Iran lied on the front end. They were dishonest actors. And so the deal that was made was made on things that weren't accurate. Uh, and we have a big problem with that, uh, particularly, sure, particularly the fact that Iran's nuclear capability were far more advanced and far further along than they ever indicated, which if this uh, nuclear deal maintains as it is right now when the sunset provision hits in seven years, they will be much further along in the process and much 
uh, and able to make a nuclear weapon much quicker uh, than they've ever indicated before. And that's a big problem. John. Thank you, Sarah. I wanted to ask you about the reprieve that uh, the EU, Canada, and Mexico are receiving this 30-day reprieve for uh, the tariffs on imported steel and aluminum. Uh, what is going to take place during this 30-day period, and what are the chances of that exemption uh, being made permanent for the EU, Canada, and Mexico? Uh, this, the, we are extending those uh, negotiations because we've seen some progress. Uh, I'm not going to get ahead of what that may look like, but we have 30 days to continue in those negotiations and hopeful that we can get something uh, that works for everybody. Wanted, if I may, I just wanted to ask you about something uh, that took place last week uh, involving uh, the President's personal attorney, Michael Cohen. He, in court documents, uh, asserted that he would um, assert his Fifth Amendment rights in the Stormy Daniels lawsuit, uh, which was filed against both him and the President. And you may recall that in September of 2017, the President at a campaign rally said, the mob takes the Fifth. And he also said, if you're innocent, why are you taking the Fifth Amendment? Do those ideas also apply to Michael Cohen? Does the President stand by those comments? I can't speak on behalf of Michael Cohen. I'd refer you to him. Francesca. Thank you, Sarah. On those list of 44 questions, the president said today that the leak was disgraceful, but a former assistant to special counsel Robert Mueller has suggested that the White House was behind the leak. Is he wrong? Uh, once again, I can't comment on anything regarding those questions, and I would refer you to the president's well, outside. Was a question counsel. about about specifically the White House <coughs> being involved in it. It was actually specific to the president, and that's why I'm referencing and referring you to the president's personal attorneys who can speak okay, on that well, matter. A question about the White House specifically. Then, is the White House concerned, as Congressman Adam Schiff has said, that so many of the questions point to obstruction of justice? We uh, here at the White House try never to be concerned with anything dealing with Adam Schiff. Like, Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> Let me point you back to what John had started on with the tariffs. Uh, Wilbur Ross, the Commerce Secretary, had said today, said earlier today, quote, if we're going to oppose it, we're going to have to do it pretty soon or else people will start gaming the system. Um, it sounds like you feel like this is moving along, but do you agree, does the White House agree with the Commerce Secretary that you're going to have to move forward on this pretty soon? And if so, what exactly is pretty soon? Uh, certainly, it's a 30-day extension, and we expect uh, for these negotiations to be completed at the end of those 30 days. So this is, will this be the last of the 30 days then? Uh, I'm not going to get ahead of the process, but right now we're working on uh, negotiating a deal during this 30-day time period, and we'll keep you posted if there's anything. Clarify Dr. Ronnie Jackson's status. If he's no longer the president's personal physician, why not? Uh, he's still a um, active duty Navy doctor assigned to the White House, but upon his nomination to the uh, Veterans Affairs Department of Veterans Affairs as the secretary, uh, an acting doctor was put in his place, and uh, Dr. Connolly will remain there. Why is that, though? Why not bring him back in that role if the president was so happy? Again, Dr. Connolly had already assumed that role, but uh, Dr. Jackson continues to be an active duty Navy doctor that's assigned here at the White House, where there are a number of doctors that are part of the White House medical unit. And does the president have any response to the defamation suit filed yesterday by Stormy Daniels? Uh, I don't have anything for you on that. Thanks, Two questions for you. Why did Keith Schiller, who was a White House employee at the time, go and take medical records from the president's personal doctor last year? Uh, as a standard operating procedure for a new president, the White House medical unit took possession of the president's medical records. It was characterized as a raid. Is that your understanding of what happened? The doctors seemed to be pretty upset about it. 
I know that is not my understanding. And my couple questions there just relates to the. Actually, this is your third question. <laughs> Thank you. Um, the, you. You talked about, you made very clear you don't want to get into this list of questions when you're time to respond, but the president has tweeted about it. Um, he's talked about how none of these questions relate to collusion, but that's not true. Over a dozen of them do. We've talked about accuracy from the president in the past. Why is he mischaracterizing? These reports. Once again, I'm not going to get into the back and forth on matters involving the special counsel, and I would refer you. Involving the special counsel, that's uh, it certainly has implications with the special counsel, and I'm not going to get into a back and forth on it. I refer you to the president's personal Sarah, attorney. Sarah, just to follow up on Hallie's first question, there are some today who are essentially saying that what has happened uh, with the, the president's former personal doctor was a burglary. Uh, the way Keith Schiller uh, busted in and essentially. I don't know some. I think there's one, but not some. Well, what's your response to that uh, to that characterization? Uh, once again, that it would be a standard procedure for the president, a newly elected president's medical records, uh, to be in possession by the White House Medical Unit, and that was what was taking place as those records were being transferred over to the White House Medical Unit as requested. Yeah, if I can ask a second question, there are some allies of the presidents up on Capitol Hill who are apparently drafting. Articles of impeachment for the Deputy Attorney General, Rod Rosenstein. Is it the President's belief that Rod Rosenstein has either committed a high crime or a misdemeanor? Uh, I'm not aware of any belief of that. Yes, Does the White Able. House then not endorse that, that drive? Would the White House call on these members not to pursue that? that? I, I, I haven't seen the specific document, but we don't have any personnel announcements and we're continuing to move forward with the Department of Justice. Um, Sarah, there are two questions. Um, there is uh, there are questions percolating about uh, James Shaw Jr. Um, and the president. The president um, has has he called him? Is he planning on meeting with him? He's talking to heroes. He had the the heroes of the Southwest flight in the Oval Office today. You said something about James Shaw Jr. last week. But is the president himself going to reach out to him? Will he come? to the White House? Uh, my understanding is that there has been um, an outreach effort uh, to bring him here to the White House, and I'll keep you updated on that as I have more information. Okay, and second question. Payoffs, hush money, Russia trolls, Facebook, WikiLeaks, DNC heads, Comey email investigations on the eve of the election, allegations of collusion. Do these issues give support to those who say, uh, who offer questions about the president's legitimacy? Uh, I'm not sure I follow the question, but I think the fact that millions of Americans came out and voted for and continue to support this presidency makes him pretty legitimate. Steve. Sir, the how is that affecting the president's thinking about what to do about the Iran nuclear deal? Uh, certainly the fact uh, that the deal was made under false pretenses is problematic, uh, but the president's been very clear that he thinks the deal is one of the worst that we've ever seen, um, and we'll keep you posted when he's made a final decision on that front. President first hear about this, was it in early March when he spoke to <laughs> Prime Minister Netanyahu? Uh, I'm not aware of the exact date that the president was made aware, but uh, we were, the White House and the president were made aware prior to uh, Israel's announcement yesterday. Was this coordinated yesterday with the White House? Did, did Netanyahu say, give you a heads up and say this is coming? Yeah, this was something that the Israelis did. However, they did give us a heads up that it was going to take place prior to the announcement. Sir, yes, back to the president's tweet this morning, he said there is no question on collusion, but when you look at these specific questions about outreach by the campaign to Russia, 
Isn't, aren't these questions about collusion? Oh, once again, I'm not going to get into a back and forth about questions uh, leaked or anything having to do with the special counsel, and I would refer you to the president's attorney. And just one more. Does this list factor at all into whether or not the president will or will not speak with the special counsel? Uh, once again, I would refer you to the president's outside counsel. Yeah. But in terms of that, though, the president has said before several times he would like to sit down with the special counsel. Um, where is he on that? Do you believe he has made up his mind on that? Uh, again, I would refer you to the president's uh, outside well, counsel to... at all, do you think? Uh, again, I'm not going to get into a back and forth uh, on any matters related to Let the Let me try a different counsel. topic if I can. <laughs> on the NSC, um, the NSC says it was a clerical error. But how does a mistake like this get made? And do you believe that the White House has a credibility problem around the world with its statements like this. Do you take this seriously? Uh, absolutely, which is why we immediately corrected it. But again, I think the biggest mistake is the fact that the United States ever entered into uh, the Iran deal in the first place. That, to me, seems to be the biggest mistake in this process. Not a simple typo that was immediately corrected uh, and notified individuals as, as soon as we knew that it had happened. The White House never sent out a corrected statement. They put it on their website, but they have never sent out a corrected statement. We responded, why was that? We responded to every journalist inquiry that we received uh, that we're aware of or to the best that we could responded to each person that asked about that. Sarah, um, you, the president yesterday talked about holding his meeting with Kim Jong-un in the DMZ and he said um, there are some people that don't like the look of it. Um, has the location of this meeting and doing it in the DMZ been the subject of some debate internally and what qualms might some members of the staff have about holding the meeting? Uh, I'm not going to get into the deliberations on this at this point, but uh, the list has been narrowed, as the president said, and we expect to have an announcement on that soon. Can I ask one more follow-up sure. on Iran? You, you said twice now that the Iranian nuclear deal was made under false pretenses, but, you know, as, as is clear from the historical record, the U.S. and its partners made this deal with Iran precisely because they knew Iran wasn't truthful about its military nuclear program. So are you suggesting that back in 2014-15, we believed Iran? Uh, I'm suggesting that the deal never should have been made in the first place, and even the fact that they had been uh, known to be bad actors to some degree, uh, the degree to which they were not being honest was not fully known at the time the Iran deal was made, is our understanding. No. Thanks, Sarah. Uh, two questions. Uh, one is about the lawsuit uh, filed today by California and seven, 17 other states over uh, their right to uh, have EPA uh, fuel standards and cars. Uh, they're fighting the administration on this. I wanted to know what your response was to the lawsuit and also the broader question that this administration seems to be on the other side of the traditional Republican argument on states' rights on a number of cases. Is there any apprehension internally about having such a heavy hand with the states? Um, certainly the administration supports state rights. Uh, in regards to the specific lawsuit, we're reviewing that and we'll let you know when we have a statement out. And the second question was about the NRA meeting uh, this week. There are a lot of Americans who say this is an insensitive time to be speaking to the NRA given the uh, epidemic of gun violence, which the president himself has talked about. What's the administration's response to that? Why make the decision to speak at the NRA now? As the president has said before, a lot of presidents have not spoken before the NRA at their annual convention. 
certainly, as we have indicated on many occasions, uh, safety is a big priority. Security is a big priority for the administration. Uh, but we also support the Second Amendment and strongly support it and don't see there to be a problem with speaking at the National Rifle Association's meeting. Aisha. Thank you. Uh, you mentioned earlier, or you were asked about uh, VA secretary. Where, where does the White House stand in that? Uh, decision-making process. Are you guys talking to potential candidates now about that position? We are, and the president will be meeting with a number of individuals over the next couple of weeks, and we'll keep you guys posted as we get further in that process. John? Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, in his recent appearance on Fox and Friends, the president offered a vague criticism of the Electoral College and suggested reform was in order. Uh, several pundits after interpreted this as support for the controversial national popular vote plan in which states give their electoral votes to the winner of the popular vote nationally. Uh, is that what the president meant? Would you offer a more uh, perspicacious uh, definition of what you said that. Uh, I don't have any policy announcements on that front or something that we're looking to do, uh, but certainly want to always look for the best way to preserve the integrity of our elections. Well, Olivia, also, sorry, yeah, was he aware that the Republican National Committee in May of 2011 had a resolution condemning that national popular vote plan. I'm not sure if he was aware, but I, I am pretty sure that the president uh, is more than happy at times to say what he thinks is right, whether or not that there was a statement made many years ago uh, contrary to that. Olivia. Thank you, Sarah. I've got a couple on foreign policy. Um, you mentioned the uh, Afghan attack. Um, when, president, when Senator Rand Paul came out and said he was going to support Mike Pompeo for Secretary of State, he said, that he was doing so because Mike Pompeo now agreed with the president that the time is now to withdraw from Afghanistan. Does the president agree with that characterization of his views? Uh, I don't have any uh, updated policy guidance on that front. We laid out our Afghanistan strategy um, just a few months ago, and there is no change to that policy at this point. And then on Iran, the, the question of what it means to withdraw from the Iran nuclear agreement has come up a couple times. Um, in the president's mind, does that mean immediately reimposing sanctions, doing what's called snapback, or is, does it mean something else? Uh, I'm not going to get ahead of anything the president may or may not do, and once he makes a final decision, he'll make that announcement. Uh, last question, Brian. Thank you very much, Sarah. When the president <coughs> spoke with uh, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu on Saturday, did uh, the Israeli of documents about Iran's nuclear program come up, and did the president encourage Israel to release those documents on Monday? Uh, I'm not sure beyond uh, the readout of the call, but I do know that we had discussions with uh, Israel about their rollout, and we were notified prior to uh, their announcement being made yesterday. Did the White House have us encourage Israel on the timing of the release? Uh, I'm not aware of specific coordination on the timing, but we certainly supported uh, their announcements and supported their efforts. Was there a desire by the White House to have Israel release these documents in order to influence the domestic debate here in the United States, in order to paint the, the, uh, the deal in a, a different light? Uh, I think there was a desire to make sure people understood the truth and had all of the information that was out there. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. Thank you.
Hi there and welcome to The Briefing Room. I'm ABC News political director Rick Klein, joined here by Mary Alice Parts from our political team. We've got Devin Dwyer joining us from our New York bureau, heads up our Pennsylvania Avenue reporting team. And we're going to have Mary Bruce from The Briefing Room in just a few minutes. Uh, but this is the first time we've seen Sarah Sanders since Saturday night. She took quite a few bars. We'll talk about that in a moment. Also the first time since a pretty significant typo came out under her name that uh, had the potential to actually uh, move world markets and uh, maybe even start a war. We'll talk about that as well. But I want to start, uh, Mary Alice, and then with Devin on uh, uh, the list of questions uh, the New York Times has uh, that appears to represent the areas that Bob Mueller's team is curious about. A long list of questions. Uh, we understand from the Times reporting and our reporting, this list was actually created by the Trump side, despite what the president is saying about it being a leak. But it's the first major window we have into where he's curious. What did you learn from this, Mary Alice? I don't know if you learn a lot. It's a list of questions that I think were pretty obvious to reporters and people that have been following all of these headlines for the last 15 months. But it does really show just the breadth and depth of this investigation. So many questions still out there about what the president knew with Flynn's communications, why he fired Comey, his relationship with Jeff Sessions, what he knew about WikiLeaks and what Russia was doing with DNC emails. When you just see all these questions still outstanding in one place, it is shocking. And the president, uh, Devin Dwyer, seems to see this as vindication, uh, blasting the leak, but also what he says is a lack of questions about uh, collusion. Now, the word collusion, I don't believe, is anywhere in those questions, but the topic seems to be pretty, pretty top of mind for Mueller and his team. That's right. It's woven through the tapestry of questions the Times laid out. Obviously, most of the questions, if you've seen them, do uh, sort of pertain to a potential obstruction of justice case. But what I'm struck by, to Mary Alice's point on the breadth of questions, is you can imagine seeing these questions laid out, what a daunting task it would be if you're President Trump's lawyer to have the president sit down and be subjected to them. These are some pretty wide-ranging questions. They're also open-ended questions, which could put him in some hot water. Uh, and I'm fascinated, Rick, as you know, the story behind how these questions likely came out. It very well may be the president's legal team themselves trying to convince the president uh, not to sit down and do this interview uh, by taking a look at the questions and listening to the commentary about it. And it's possible, it's possible also, guys, that this is not an exhaustive list. It may not even be a current list, based on what we know. There could be more that he's very interested in. But I think you raised a really important point there that, that Sarah Sanders was asked repeatedly. The president said flat out that there were no questions dealing with collusion, and that was flat out false. A lot of these questions get to the idea of whether or not the president was aware of anyone with his campaign working with Russia. That's the definition of collusion, cooperation, whichever word you want to use, that is still the forefront of these questions at the forefront of the investigation. And let's talk to the, the latest in the, uh, the annals of palace intrigue and, and staff infighting. A pretty explosive story, the initial headline coming out from NBC News yesterday, uh, that, that John Kelly, the White House Chief of Staff, had called the president an idiot. Uh, I'm struck by this, uh, Devin, by how quickly and how vociferously the White House has objected to that. Uh, very, very strong condemnation of the story by Sarah Sanders, by Kelly himself in the statement yesterday, and uh, some news today in saying flat out that, he, that Kelly is not being considered for the VA because the president's happy with him in that current job. That's right. And our latest reporting, Rick, is that the, the two men have actually been on better terms than they have been in recent months. Uh, getting along pretty well. These allegations in the uh, NBC report and CNN and others uh, appeared to be a hit job. This is really, in my view, a fresh uh, flare-up of a really old feud in the West Wing, if you've been following along the soap opera uh, of the president's staff. This is uh, likely uh, someone from the Ivanka, Rob Porter, 
uh, Jared Kushner camp uh, leaking this damaging information, alleged damaging information about Kelly. Um, Kelly's allies have dwindled uh, in the West Wing as well. Don McGahn is one of them. And so uh, there are people that want Kelly out. This information got out there, uh, but it was pretty hotly refuted. You were right, Kelly, rare public statement within minutes of the story going up that absolutely was this BS in his words. And what it tells me, Mary Alice, is that the knives are out once again for John Kelly. For a story like that to come out, we don't know if it's true or not. We don't know what was actually said in that. We've got some sources who say that it wasn't said. Obviously, NBC has other sourcing on this. But someone wants this out there to try to kill off his career. And that would be more important than maintaining an appearance of stability in the White House. <laughs> At this moment. I think that's, I think that's right. Uh, speaking of stability, world stability, a big topic in today's briefing and elsewhere. Uh, the president saying just a little while ago, uh, Devin, that uh, we're going to have a date maybe pretty soon and maybe even a location for the, the, the highly awaited North Korea summit. Uh, but a bulk of the questions today came about Iran. Yesterday, was Netanyahu's kind of PowerPoint presentation that seemed geared toward the president himself. It was delivered in English in Tel Aviv. Uh, that tells you anything about it. But this typo, man, this is something, Devin. And, and we talk all the time about how this White House makes little mistakes, big mistakes, everything in between. In this case, the difference between has and had in relation to the Iranian nuclear program, Sarah Sanders says it's just a typo, but the difference between present and past tense Kind of a big deal. Oh, totally a big deal. And if you're not following along on this saga, the White House basically put out a statement yesterday initially that the that uh, the government of Iran has a secret nuclear weapons program. They later changed it to had one. Big difference, obviously, in relation to the Iran nuclear deal with the uh, critics saying that it doesn't work. Uh, obviously, that, that word makes a big difference there. But, you know, bottom line, Sarah Sanders standing by this, she sort of muddled through the point. Uh, Bibi Netanyahu yesterday in his presentation also sort of trying to sort of gloss over that point. But um, to defenders of the deal, the deal is working. They don't have um, a nuclear program right now. Uh, but the question is, are they honest? And uh, what you saw from Netanyahu and from Sarah Sanders today is they are contending they lied at the beginning of the deal. Uh, all of this, of course, is build up to the May 12th date when the president has to decide what he's going to do. And, and, and that was quite an aggressive response from Sarah Sanders when she was asked about it. She said that the, the bigger mistake, the biggest mistake, was, the, was Obama and the Obama administration entering into the agreement in the first place. Right, and that's really their only argument here, because international inspectors say that Iran is complying. So right. the only argument that they're standing on is that they just don't like the deal to begin with, that the framework of the deal was not enough, the inspections were not big enough or forceful enough or specific enough, because inspectors say that Iran's playing by the rules. But still, Devin, and we've seen these world leaders now apply, uh, applying pressure to him from both directions. You had Macron uh, trying to trying to sweet talk the president into continuing to support the deal. We had Netanyahu in that presentation yesterday. It may be that we're left with a middle ground where the president actually isn't rejecting the current deal, but is talking about a longer term solution. Well, that's certainly what the Europeans want. There's a lot of talk that that could be afoot right now, some sort of layer on to the Iran deal. Uh, but this is a complicated subject, and the president, as you guys know, is all about symbolism. He promised to tear it up on the campaign trail. Uh, it's hard to see how he gets away with this keeping the deal, even if there's some sort of add-on. So it's, it's going to be a suspenseful couple of weeks. Politically, he's talking about it being a horrible deal for the country almost daily now. So that yeah. makes it incredibly hard to do something more nuanced here. He's definitely not using nuanced language about it. And let's get let's get uh, Mary Bruce in on this. Uh, we were struck, uh, Mary, by the, the the way that Sarah Sanders handled that question around the Iran nuclear deal. What was the sense in the room? They're they're trying to explain a typo that actually could start a war. 
Yeah, well, look, she also didn't really want to go into too many of these details here. Uh, in particular, she was, you know, pressed for some details, but she didn't give a lot of details in return. It is a very sort of tricky topic to get into, as you mentioned. I was also struck by how many lack of details she wanted to discuss about this Mueller list that we've all been pouring through, this list of questions that came from the Mueller team uh, over here to the Trump legal team. Look, she's been punting uh, pretty consistently on any questions that involve this, this probe to the president's legal team. But the problem is the president keeps tweeting about all of this. And so <laughs> at some point, the question is, well, when is she going to actually explain the president's tweets, especially when there are so many contradictions between what he is saying and what we are learning about this list of questions? You know, the president, for instance, tweeting that there is, aren't any questions about collusion when, when you look at the list. Well, actually, there are many questions about potential collusion. Um, so it's, hard, it's harder and harder for her to punt on some of these things when the president, of course, is chiming in so vociferously. Yeah, and Mary, by my count, you got two referrals to outside counsel among two? many today. Two? That's good, today. yes, yes, not yeah. one. But that was just Mary. That's I just mean, Mary. That's just Mary. Half the five conference. We're like five or eight of them, yeah. <laughs> Uh, guys, I want to talk about a topic that actually didn't come up in the briefing, somewhat to my surprise, I think to our surprise collectively, which is the White House Correspondents Association dinner. It was on Saturday night. Sarah Sanders was uncomfortably close to the comedian Michelle Wolf, only a couple of seats away, which meant she was front and center when cable news was covering this, this live. She maintained a pretty stony disposition throughout, despite a lot of very highly personal uh, barbs that were aimed at her and others in, in the Trump White House. Uh, so she didn't get any questions on this, Devin, but I am curious what the, what the mood is among White House staff here 48 hours or 72 hours after uh, the, this speech that uh, seems to still be reverberating in political circles. Yeah, Rick, well, she was silent and fuming at the dinner, obviously, afterwards, the day after the White House, I think, realized what a gift they had been given by, the, by this comedian. It took place totally into their narrative about the press, uh, and they were quite happy about it yesterday and early part of the week. I'm not surprised that she didn't bring it up here. Silence uh, sort of speaks uh, volumes here. The press certainly don't want to bring it up. They didn't want to draw attention to it. In fact, I was struck by the, by the diversity of the questions today. It was a pretty big smorgasbord of topics. Uh, and, you know, you got to hand it to Sarah Sanders. She didn't do what I think her boss probably would have done, which is stick hmm. it to the people right in front of her who uh, helped organize that dinner. Was it awkward in the room at all, Mary, knowing that, uh, that everyone was still talking about this dinner? A lot of, almost everyone in that room today was, that, was there on Saturday night. Look, I agree with Devin. It's the one topic everyone in that room probably doesn't want to talk about. And we're relieved that it didn't probably come up. I think folks in, in this building and, and, and the reporters in those chairs probably want to move past some of those awkward moments from the weekend. And, and look, you, you have, of course, had the president coming out and chiming in on the dinner. You've already seen a lot of uh, reaction to it. The White House Correspondents Association has put out their statement. We saw today uh, the Hill newspaper saying that they will no longer participate going forward. So this is already having you know real ramifications and consequences. But here in, in, in the room today, look, there are a lot of other important questions to be asked. And I think you saw a lot of that today. And we'll get you right back to it. Uh, Mary Bruce, thanks for being here at the White House today. Thank you. And we want to leave you just with uh, some pictures from earlier today. Uh, President Trump invited in a kind of unusual uh, gathering for someone like him. He had it in the Oval Office. Uh, this was the, the flight crew and, uh, and some of the passengers were on that Southwest flight from a, a couple of weeks ago. Tragically, uh, one passenger uh, lost her life, but uh, many others whose lives were saved in part by the actions of those passengers. You don't often see the president like this and the, the, the gatherings like this. He likes to show off the Oval Office, but highlighting something that was in the news like this and, and just trying to, to celebrate American heroes. Well, it makes sense. Any chance to celebrate the hero pilot there, a woman, a former fighter pilot. I mean, America loves her, and rightly so. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of The Briefing Room. Our thanks to Devin Dwyer and Mary Alice Parks. You can download the ABC News, any ABC News app. I'm ABC News political director Rick Klein. 
We'll be right back here next time with The Briefing Room.